0: Welcome to the Dimensions book series by K. Arwen. An extraordinary tale of an inner journey and a battle of good against evil. In this podcast, the heroine Kaya tells her own story from book one, The Awakening. Our journey begins on the Scottish Isle of Skye. Parallel realities interconnect and interweave. Step in and enter Dimensions. Leardolph carefully stirred the white and gold paint with a stick that he'd collected on the shore. The weather was fairer than it had been for weeks, for it seemed that sky had been hit by storm after storm. The Met Office are going to run out of letters to name them all, Leardolph had thought countless times. For now, though, the winds had abated and Leardolph had managed to clear the grass that ran down from his beach house to the shore of, of all the branches and seaweed that had been strewn up by the waves. And what was more, at last he'd finished renovating the rowing boat. It wasn't much, perhaps, but he was strangely fond of this boat. He had found it discarded in the forest at the edge of one of the locks. Finding it had been pretty strange in itself. Because he had passed that way countless times and had never seen it. And then one day, it was as though it had been revealed to him to find, as if someone had cleared away the overgrown shrubs and ferns on purpose. A discarded hulk of wood. Not much to look at. Yet, as soon as Leardolf had seen it, Something inside had made him determined to fix it up. He liked a project and, well, if nothing else, he thought a rowing boat would be good fun if he ever managed to rebuild it. But rebuild it he had. And the boat now sat rested on the rocks, a smart-looking varnished wooden rowing boat with a fine red stripe painted down either side from bow to stern. "'You need a name,' Leodolf said to the boat as he sat with a fine-tipped paintbrush poised over the top of the paint pot. "'I'm going to paint you the name that I've been hearing in my dreams. "'As crazy as that sounds, I hope you approve.' Leodolf dipped the brush into the white paint and carefully scrolled the letter K just below the red line. He stood back to view it. "'Well, that works.' I just need to give it some depth with the gold. It suits you boat. Okay, here goes. Leodolph squatted by the boat and for the next half hour painted a scrolling lettered name on the side of the boat. Kaya. <laughs> Lena disappears from the screen and I hear her voice. Sorry, Kaya, I've just got something to deal with. I'm going to mute my mic for a bit. I catch the first words of a reprimand as she disappears and I feel sorry for whoever it is that's on the receiving end. Instinctively, I know that Lena's going to be a while. So I pick up my phone and scan my emails and I click on Jim's contact. Kaya, how are you doing? Did you read my email? Um, just, I reply. I haven't got long to chat. I'm waiting for Lena. Say no more. What's been happening? I give Jim a hurried account of events and I can imagine the look on his face as I describe the being in the forest, the underground base and the skinwalkers. Holy mother of God, Jim replies when I've finished. And here's me being excited by other dimensional beings. Well, they're not all bad, I reply. Look at *Metamorphosis*. Look, I only scanned your emails, Jim, but you say you found a trace of portals. Well, yeah, not portals exactly, but I've certainly come across reference to interdimensional gateways, Jim replies. Only faint traces woven into mythology, but what's really interesting is the cross-cultural Jim, I've got to go, I say, seeing Lena appearing back on my computer screen. I'm sorry to be rude. No worries. I'll speak to you later. Take care. I put down my phone just as Lena unmutes her mic. I can hear her voice dismissing a writer from the office. And then she appears, all settled in front of the screen. Now, where were we, she says. Her voice officious. Well, I was telling you that I'd just finished my article, I remind her, and as I said, I found the diary, and since I've read it, I'm sure that the person who wrote it, the Scottish woman Meg, in the 18th century, well, I'm sure that was me. Anyway, I've added it to the article just to give it another dimension, first-hand experience, as it were. I like it, Lena says with satisfaction. Couldn't have been better timed. So this Meg. It was her diary, you say? So what was in it? Anything that could lead to another article? Any juice? Wow. It was about the village clearances and her village all being sent to Canada. It describes the people's feelings about going and tells of all those that had to stay behind. Nice. Could be an article there. What about a love interest? A divided love? I feel a Wave of resentment surged through me at Lena's flippancy. As far as Lena's concerned, she's simply speaking about people and events that's taken place years ago. But to me, it feels raw and real, as though those events happened only yesterday. I swallow the emotion. Well, there was actually, I reply. Meg had found her soul love, a man called Owen. Lena pounces on the on the news like a vulture. 18th century romance and gossip. Love it, she croons. Write it, and if you can, I don't know, write it in the first person if you think you're linked to this Meg. That would be a real twist. Even better. See what you can find out about this Owen. Well, that might be difficult, Lena, I reply. He was one of the villagers who went to Canada, remember? Oh. Well, in that case, write about the time before they went then and end the article with him leaving. A Love Lost in Time. Now, there's a title. I'm sure you can figure something out, Kaya. It'll be great. I sigh. It's now or never. I have to take the plunge and run the multi dimensional idea past Lena. I take a deep breath. Here goes. Well, Lena. I'd rather write about something else. I've unearthed more about the past life theory and I know that I'm right when I say there's more to it. Past isn't a linear line. It's more multidimensional. There are interconnecting dimensions. They're interwoven with our world as we know it. And stop, Lena interjects, cutting me dead. We've been here before, Kaya. Our readers don't want to be stretched into quantum mechanics and neither do I. Quantum mechanics won't sell the Real Woman magazine. But it's true, I say, momentarily losing my my rag. And there are beings that reside within these dimensions, but you only see them when you open up to the truth of who you are or when you're having a nervous breakdown, Lena interjects. Look, I think you're having some post-traumatic stress disorder from your breakup, she continues. Next thing you'll be telling me there's a link to these dimensions by way of some sort of conspiracy. Well, yeah, I reply. Somewhat despondent, feeling as though my heart and my power is falling out of my feet. Kaya, a multidimensional conspiracy, really? Listen to yourself. What you saw was a figment of your own imagination look, you've made the deadline. I've given you some ideas for another article. Take some time off. Digest them and then come up with something great. She signs off and I'm left staring at the blank screen. (laughs) I'd felt great when I got in from the pool and now I feel really agitated. A patch of fog suddenly obscures a view from the window and I glance up puzzled as it grows thicker. I walk across to the window surprised at the sudden difference in the weather and I stop in shock as a face stares back in at me. I feel a prickle of fear crawl up my neck as another white face appears next to the first one and both faces seem to be pressing against the glass trying to get inside. Shadow Men. I find myself channeling energy through my hands in the same way I did at the cafe and I automatically draw the symbol in the air and the faces of the the shadow men disappear. Enough of this. I grab the van keys and calling them dogs, I head out for the cafe. When I get there, the cafe's busy. I order my coffee and Wilma smiles and passes it to me. "'How are you doing, dear?' she says. "'Did you find that swim spot?' "'Oh, I did. It was blissful,' I reply. "'I have something to run by you, but no bother. "'It can wait until another time.' Wilma's face falls. "'Oh, sorry. Nothing wrong. "'You can always come by later.' "'Nothing's wrong. Don't worry. "'I'll catch up with you another time,' I say, "'taking my coffee and walking across to a table by the window.' I sit down and gaze out of the window absent mindedly, reflecting on what's happened during the last few days and my conversation with Lena. I'm disturbed from my thoughts by a voice. Can I join you? Do you mind? The voice asks. I look up to see a middle aged woman smiling at me. She's got sparkling blue eyes and a friendly face. Sure, go ahead. She sits down and takes off her coat. It's so busy in here today. Are you local? I ask. Yes, I may. I, we, well, Alex and I live not far from here. Whereabouts are you from? I look at May and she's got a Native American feel about her and with her greying hair plaited into two plaits that hang on the side of her head, she looks looks score like She smiles as though reading my thoughts. I'm originally from America, well, Canada, actually. Sorry, I didn't mean to be rude, I say. Oh, I know, you were lost in thoughts, May replies with a chuckle. That was easy to see. Trying to figure something out, perhaps? Well, yes, I was, actually, I reply. Let's just say lots of strange things appear to be happening to me and around me, and I need to get in touch with who I am, and sharpish, too, so that I can figure it all out. That's easy enough, May replies. How? Well, haven't you noticed? Haven't you noticed in nature how everything just is, May says. I mean, a bird doesn't try to be a better bird and a robin doesn't feel depressed because it isn't a blackbird and a duck doesn't get depressed that it can't swim. It simply swims. And the robin enjoys being a robin and expresses itself to the full not afraid of ridicule or not being enough. It doesn't try to fix itself. It doesn't try to fit in. And neither does it begrudge the blackbird for flying across the same piece of sky. (laughs) I laugh. So all I have to do is be myself. Is that what you're saying? Well, sure, replied May. Just allow yourself to be you. Listen to your feelings and your truth. And if feelings uplift you, Then they're assigned to embrace something and expand. And what if it doesn't uplift me, I ask. Well, then lean into those feelings and explore what the message is and then let them go, May replies. Feel the feelings, but don't let the feelings have you. I sigh. I wish I'd followed that principle in the past with relationships. I've been looking for a soulmate for years, if I'm honest with myself, but I've never found one. You know, found the one. Instead, I seem to have attracted one dysfunctional relationship after another. May smiles. Recognising your patterns is the most important part of breaking them, she says. I'm sure that there's a Mr. Right out there for you. Anyway, the more you become you in every which way, then more likely you are in attracting your true soulmate. Because let's face it, he can see you. I look at May, her eyes are dancing with light. And I know instinctively that May's in a relationship with her soul partner. Is that how you met Alex? I ask. She grins. Yeah, when you're being yourself, well, lots of people show up who are drawn to the real you. All your relationships change. I smile at May. I like her. I wonder if that was why she ended up coming to the cafe that morning, to meet me. (laughs) I like that, the principle of unravelling our life and then expanding into a new paradigm. Gosh, wouldn't that be an article? May seems to read my mind. You write? (laughs) Yes, I reply. I'm staying at Wilma's place at the moment, but I may, may end up staying up here for a while. Let's just say I'm really drawn to Sky, and it turns out I've got some deep links with the place. I want to explore where they lead. Another article, May replies. Hm, that's cool. Perhaps your soul love is up here somewhere. Wouldn't that be something? I tell you what, would you like to come and have dinner with us? I'm guessing you're a veggie. That would be really lovely, I reply, feeling a sudden surge of lightness. Yeah, I'm pretty much a vegan, but not quite, so veggie would be great. Space Above Earth The great bulk of a saucer flew into an open docking hangar of the collective space station and proceeded to land. A cube collector walked across towards it as the gangway opened, and another cube collector emerged from the saucer, walking alongside a levitating crate. All earth specimens for chemical extraction to proceed to holding pen four, he stated, looking at the alpha wolf that was inside the pen. Negative, the second cube collector replied. This is not for extraction. This is an order for the Matrix Lord. It's been designated an upgrade. The cube collector checked in his headset. Affirmative, proceed to level three immediately. They're waiting. The cube collector walked towards the hangar that led towards the door, a bleak metal corridor of the space station, was beyond. Hmm. In the central command, the cube commander watched the created wolf being delivered to the laboratory. Good. He could inform the Matrix Lord that his order was almost ready. He tapped into the communication device on the control panel in front of him and the hologram of the Matrix Lord appeared. We have the Alpha. Your order will soon be ready. The Matrix Lord appeared pleased. Very well. You will also deliver the cube to boost the energy of the crystal. Affirmative. And I hope it will be enough. I need that crystal to transmute the Skinwalker parasite. The cube commander was not prepared to discuss the effectiveness of their technology. The collective's reputation, after all, spread across the entire galaxy. Do not presume to doubt us, he stated. There's none better. The cube will work. You say that, and yet I've discovered an energy source that increased the output of the crystal by 500%. The cube commander regarded the hologram in silence. An energy source with that capacity. Now, that was of interest to the collective, but he wasn't about to let the Matrix Lord know that. When did this energy surge occur? A day ago, and I need the cube to do the same, else I'll collect the other energy source myself and utilise that. The commander changed the subject. We will deliver when we've agreed payment. Very well, the Matrix Lord replied. A fifth of the populace is an acceptable cut, I think. The cube commander looked out of the space station, towards the blue and green planet beneath him. A fifth would provide a lot of resource oils. He looked back to the hologram of the Matrix Lord. Agreed, a fifth will be sufficient, he replied. But we need them untouched. They must not be infected with the parasite. Very well. Once the crystal is working efficiently, you shall collect your fee before we initiate the transmission, the Matrix Lord replied. The communication ended. The commander turned an o- to another cube collector at the far end of the room. The Matrix Lord spoke of an energy surge in his underground base, he said. Can we retrotrace it? When did the energy surge occur? He said a day ago. The second cube collector approached a device built into the wall. I can see the energy pulse, he confirmed. It only lasted for a few seconds. Can you get a trace on the source? Affirmative, the cube collector replied. It was caused by an organic being. Organic, the cube collector commander exclaimed. Yes. Report. Before he could go any further, another communication came through on the screen before him. Terrain upgrade completed, a cube collector said, indicating the quivering wolf that was standing at his side. The commander stared at the wolf in disdain. It doesn't look as if the form can sustain the upgrade, he said, watching the wolf stagger across the floor, dragging its now robotic front leg along the ground and shaking its head as if to dislodge the half that was now cyborg. Integration is not yet satisfactory, came the reply. Mm. Increase the biochemical ratio to maximum. Immediately the wolf stopped shaking, and its body seemed to swell as its muscle mass increased. The commander was satisfied. And the wolves, without the upgrade, they still follow its lead? Affirmative. Then place him with the rest of the pack and load the saucer. The Matrix Lord is expecting delivery. The commander turned and regarded the planet below them again. Such a tiny planet and yet such a wealth of resources to be had. A fifth of the populace was acceptable. But what was of more interest was this being that had the potential to provide that power. The collective had to have control of that. The commander knew that the Matrix Lord had deliberately not given the collective all the facts. After all, he had admitted that he was seeking the power source for himself. Well, the commander had to ensure that the collective got access to that power before he did. Modern day, Kaya. I put my cardigan over my dress and just smooth my dress down. It's a long time since I put a a dress on. (laughs) I close the kitchen door and shut the dogs inside and one of them starts to whine. I put my hand on the door to open it and then changed my mind and returning to the kitchen I let the dogs out. I should make you stay here, I say, but to be honest I'll be glad to have your company in the van. What with the shadow men and alien conspiracies, I'm more than feeling a bit jumpy. The ginger dog wags her tail and fetches her lead, dropping it at my feet. No, not a walk. More like, you get to sleep in the van whilst I go in and see May and Alex, I say. It's not that long a drive to Alex and May's, and I'm soon there. I pull out from the crosstack the croft house and take the lane that leads further down the shore the lights fading and in twilight the colors of the day are becoming monochrome kind of oldie worldy. and it's easy for me to imagine the scene of meg and owen being together you know a time in the past when there's no cars and just horses and carts <laughs> i take a turning and For a short section the lane passes by the shoreline and in the distance I can see a house nestled into the pine trees on the far side of the loch. There appears to be a grassy area or at least a clear area in front of the house that opens down onto the water's edge. It's really weird, I feel drawn. Like I can't take my eyes off the building and yet it's modern, not old so it can't have any connection to to Meg's world. Later on that evening, Alex explains. That'll be Leardolfe's place, he says. We've eaten the lovely meal that May had, had cooked and we're sitting by their log burner. They <laughs> insisted that I bring my dogs in from the van and they're currently flat out by the fire, being made of a fuss-off by May. Leardolph, isn't he the guy who's got that big wolf dog, I ask? Alex looks across at May, who simply shrugs. Aye, that's him, Fraser. That's the name of Leardolph's dog. Yeah, Fraser, that's right, Wilma told me about him, I reply. Do you know him well? Who, Fraser or Leardolph, Alex replies with a chuckle. Aye, we know him, them, really well. We met Leardolph in Canada. Oh. He's a great guy, Leodolf. Alex continues. He's a carpenter, specialises in making wooden boats. Although he can turn his hand to pretty much anything. He built his own house, the house that you saw. Boats, I question. What kind of boats? Oh, any type, Alex replies, although he likes smaller personable projects the most. He's just finished rebuilding an old wreck of a hull that he came across as it happens, an old rowing boat. Couldn't help himself, he told me, when I asked him what motivated him to drag an old heap of rotting wood into his workshed and set about rebuilding it. Alex glances at May, who catches his eye, and then smiling, she turns back to stroke the dog's head. I can't help thinking that they've got some sort of secret... He's named the boat too, hasn't he, May? Alex continues. Yes, May replies, deliberately not looking back at him. Yep, he's named it all right. An unusual name too. I smile. Well, all boats deserve to have a name if they're made with love, I say. May gives me a knowing look and smiles. Exactly, she agrees. Well... You two, I'd best be heading back. Thanks again for a fantastic meal, May. And it's so lovely to meet you, Alex. Alex chuckles. Aye, you two. And I've a feeling that you'll be hanging around these parts for quite a long time, he says with a grin. I hope so, I reply, giving them a hug. Come on, you two, it's time to go. The ginger dog looks at me reluctantly and half wags her tail, as if to say that she'd rather stay put. May laughs. You can come back here with your mistress any time you choose, she said. You're most welcome. Thanks, May, I reply. Come on. The dogs get up slowly and stretch and then pad towards the door. I refuse to believe that you're tired, I say, looking down at them. I bet if I was going to go for a run, you'd have a different attitude. At the word run, both the dogs prick up their ears and look hopeful. Makes Alex laugh. See what I mean? I reply. They're never really tired. Thank you for listening, and so that you don't miss an episode of Kaya's journey from Dimensions: The Awakening, then please follow the podcast K Arwin Dimensions: The Book Series. And for more information on the author, check out kaimia.co.uk. Until next time, I leave you with some Atlantean light language.